and we are back with another episode of the Cousin Soccer Podcast. Um, I am Clark. And I'm Hector, and yeah, we got some Atlanta United talk coming your way today. Um, we're going to go over the game this weekend against New York Red Bulls, and then touch on the next two games that they have coming up uh, against Miami and Toronto. Uh, so why don't we just jump into the to the Red Bull game, uh, Clark? I don't know what your you know give me your thoughts on that. Um, both teams had some lack, where you know we're lacking finishing. Um, neither really created too many chances. I think overall, Atlanta United was the better team for most of the game until, you know, uh, second half, Moreno comes out. The new designated player was kind of that role we were talking about. We were needing, you know, a guy that's willing to pass forward, do some defensive duties. Um, I mean, he kind of really just had, even though he didn't, like, get any assists or goals I think he played really well, and the moment he came off, the quality of play from us went down quite a bit. Yeah, I was able to watch the the second half live, and then was able to catch a replay of the of the first half down the line. And I think you hit hit it perfectly there. He, while he didn't score or you know make a mark on the scoreboard itself, um, there was a clear difference whenever he was on the pitch and just how the offense was flowing. Uh, it looked a lot more creative. Everything was just more connected. And when he came off, it did kind of lose some life. Um, didn't help that we didn't really have someone to come in in that same style since Barco was still out. Uh, but yeah, I, I everything I saw, I'm satisfied with the debut, especially considering you know he hasn't trained with the club at all. He had been doing the I think it's like 14 day quarantine, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, so he hadn't even interacted with his teammates before that match, and he got thrown straight into his starting position. And I think you got to be happy with what you saw because. Um, yeah, just looks looks like a quality player. I'm, I'm excited to see what else he can do. He played, what, like 60 minutes? I think it's 60. And like you said, that was his first time meeting them. So I imagine with a little more chemistry and just kind of knowing how some people will play, um, he'll be he'll do just quite a bit better. Like, for example, there's one play that um, he passes a ball to – he gets past the ball like right outside the box or so right at the top of the box and does a quick one-two back to – um, George Bello, who's running in, and Bello quite didn't even expect it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that was just one of those examples where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is that quick, just he knew he wanted to pass this ball forward, even if it wasn't like a super high percentage chance that it would get through, but it's like, that's kind of the guy we need. And then him willing to run back is just something we also kind of miss with Barco because he looks like it, he's at least more capable when it comes to defense. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, when he had those, uh, when Moreno was compared to Al Marone at times, uh, when he, you know, when they were first announcing his signing and all that, that's something that a few of the reporters really, really brought to the attention of people. The fact that he can contribute on defense, you know, he's not, he's not a defensive mid by any means, Mm -hmm. obviously, but he can at least get in the way of people and, and, you know, disrupt the attack. And when you look at what Almiron did for Atlanta, I mean, that was a big part of his game, too. He's he's remembered because of his speed and the goals and all that. But when you look back at what he did so well, it was all over the pitch. And sometimes he was the one that was recovering the ball and kind of restarting the attack. So if, if Moreno can bring that element to Atlanta, that's going to be a huge boost because they don't really have a midfielder who can kind of do it all right now. Uh, and even if he doesn't, like I said, do it to the extent that Almiron did, 
uh, even if it's just like 75%, that's going to be a huge, huge help. Oh, yeah. I mean, just looking at the impact he made without any training or knowing this team, I'm like, I'm convinced that even though, yes, New York Red Bulls aren't the best team out there, he played a very good role just coming in, doing what he does, and obviously he was one of the better players on the field for us. Not including Franco Escobar, who played at center back, who was phenomenal. I mean, this is probably our best right back option when it comes to just defensive qualities and I wouldn't say the offensive part, but man, Franco was killing it at center back. I know he's, no, I think, naturally played there. Like, you forget yeah, how he tall is. he is, too. He's a big dude, and uh, he, he was just kicking ass, dude. That speed he had was just I, – I was all about it. Yeah, man. He uh, – it was – when I saw him, that you know, the fact that he was starting in the center in a back line of four, because we've seen him play center back, but it's been in the in the uh, three man back line, so mm-hmm. it's it's not the same thing. Uh, when I saw him in the playing in a four, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting, and he absolutely killed it. Like you said, he, I, one of the best games he's had all season. Um, <laughs> honestly, looked like he might be this the, also the best center back on the club after yeah. that game. Um, Literally, I mean, he did everything that you could ask for for someone in that position. And I know after the game, they were asking him about that. And he did say, you know, he came up uh, when he was younger playing center back. And, like, that was his natural position. So he's so used to it. But since he has so much speed and he's such an aggressive player, I guess that's why naturally teams moved him to the outside. Because that, you know, that that is kind of like the traditional profile of those either right backs, wing backs, whatever. Um, but, yeah, what, what I saw uh, – with him at center back, if you can maybe pair him with like Miles Robinson or honestly any of the, of the other three center backs, you would be a you would have a nice pairing of like that more uh, or like calm, you know, just cleans up the mess in the back kind of center back, and then Franco who kind of provides that dynamic push forward when you need it, but can also be the guy that on those long balls is the one that's able to track down the striker that maybe got behind the back line and all that. Cause you know, his speed plays across the field. And um, to me, one of the potential advantages with that is it would let Brooks Lennon move into that right back spot and would open up a starting job for Jurgen Dom uh, on the wing. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the long-term plan is there. I don't know if that was just a mix of miles uh, having to sit out this game and, you know, just rotating center backs or if they do think there's some sort of long-term option there, uh, which will shift the rest of the team a little bit. Uh, regardless, Franco, after he had some downs this season, I think the last – probably like three of, three of the last four or so, I think he's looked a lot more like his normal self, um, whatever it was that was going on before that. I, I, I personally think after seeing him now and like how the team kind of looks a little bit better than they did a few months ago – I do think a lot of it was just mental frustration with where the team was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's nice to see him, you know, bring all that back because, yeah, he at, for Atlanta United to succeed, whether it's at right back or center back, Franco Escobar has to be a big part of the plan. Uh, he's he's a quality player and they just need him out there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where he ends up going forward. But for now, whether it's in the middle or it's on the outside, I, I think it's safe to say Franco is back. Absolutely. And it's yet another good problem to have, you know, Um, having someone that can play a bunch of different positions and play them well is 
that's that's always a good thing, you know. Have being able to play Jurgen Dom and not lose anything on the right side, you know, moving Lennon back at right back while still having the speed of Franco. And I know we're talking a lot about Franco, even though we lost the game, which so <laughs> here we go. That the goal was one of those things where like you have VAR, you have multiple players on the team like goalie brad guzan runs up he's like dude he's obstructing my view i have to plan for him if the ball touches him that would go in or you know jeff lorenowitz after the game asked them he's like how what what was that like these are both two of the best the go- the ref on the field is one of the best in the league the guy doing var one of the best in the league they got it wrong tonight listening to jason longshore ripping the announce or ripping the refs it's like come on that they had not only two players offside, one of them, to be fair, did not inter- in, interact or change the play at all. But Royer, standing, you know, a little to the left, had to jump out of the way of the ball. That's the definition of an offside. If you have to change, alter your play, even though you don't interact with the ball and you're on the, like, past the last defender, that is offsides. So yeah, that, it was they... disappointing. That was really it. They definitely got it wrong on that one. And, you know, it sucks to have to bring up the refs every Every single week. week. But it really, you know, this is honestly one of the more egregious ones yet because I honestly was shocked when they didn't – it didn't seem like they even bothered to look at it because he he was literally standing, you know, in front of Guzan slightly to the side and and watching the replay, especially the replay from behind the net. Um, it was kind of like from an angle, but yeah, you can see how Guzan's kind of like moving back and forth, trying to get a view of of what's coming. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they really messed up that one. I'm not saying, you know, Atlanta kind of looked at at that point in the game and going forward, Atlanta's attack was kind of non-existent for Mm -hmm. most of it, but, uh, I'm not trying to have gone to win it if that didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a lot different being in a zero, zero game, um, and, versus playing zero one, let alone the actual points or the one point that you end up dropping because of it. Um, so yeah, you know, not to, not to try to say Atlanta was going to turn it around or anything like that, but it definitely did affect the final result. Cause yeah, that was a, I don't think either club did anything to deserve a win in mm-hmm. that game. I thought Atlanta, you know, outside of a few bright spots, kind of a little toothless, especially once Moreno came off. Uh, the attack kind of looked like it didn't re- really know where to go through. And on the flip side, New York was also not really doing too much. Um, you know, both teams had – Atlanta had eight shots, only one on goal, and New York had six with two on goal, one of them being the one that went in. Uh, but, you know, neither of the teams really looked like they were threatening in a real way. New York actually only had one corner. Uh, like, yeah, it was just a they very quiet got game. Dominated, honestly, possession and just – offensive i mean both on uh, neither teams created i think we had some good crosses and good attempts it's just nothing really connected we we're kind of all over the yeah. place yeah and and well, my like where i'm going is it, it in my eyes it should have been just a zero zero game that would have been the most fair result mm-hmm. uh based off the play that we saw and unfortunately the refs had their hand in it uh, i don't think there was any sort of like bias or any anything like that i think it was just a bad interpretation or a bad decision by them to not look at it um so, yeah, you know, they, it hurts to drop that point because Atlanta right now is uh, in the last spot for the playoffs, and Nashville is actually tied with them. They're only behind on goal differential, but they have one less game played. So if they get a positive result in any way, 
whether it's a draw or a win, they would jump Atlanta. Um, so that was just a, yeah, you can't afford to drop matches like that. I know Red Bulls, you know, traditionally, I mean, they, Atlanta hasn't beaten them in the regular season yet. That's a cheap um, way to lose, really. <laughs> but but this just wasn't a you know this isn't this wasn't a, one of those Red Bulls performances where you're like okay you know we got outplayed or anything like that so yeah you know hopefully they can they can recover some of those points in another matchup because cause this sucks and you know it, <laughs> when you look at the at the table at the end of the year if Atlanta somehow misses it by like a point or they're tied and they they miss it on goal differential like this is going to be a very impactful moment that we can go back and look at well speaking of impactful moments. Uh... Here's a quick just recap of some of the missed calls uh, that, you know, have been against us as Atlanta United specifically. All right. So Lennon getting kicked in the head, no red card, even though a week later or something pro referee, that organization rebuked that on their Twitter thing. And they're like, hey, yeah, that should have been a red card. We got it wrong. Um, no send, no red card or pe- penalty. Or no, yeah, no red card for Figal when he elbowed Gallagher in the head when a double uh, penalty happened, and we missed both of those. That was really cool. No penalty on Jan uh, versus Orlando last week when two different chances, you know, that there are two attempts at preventing him from doing something in the box. Um, no interference on that screen from Royer. Uh, no send-off on Yamil Assad when, when he scissor-kicked Brooks Lennon, oh, like yeah, from yeah, behind. Like, what is that? No penalty on Reyes for fouling Lennon in the September second. No, in the VAR overruling versus Cincinnati in Orlando in the penalty in the tournament. But it's like that's seven different calls that potentially change change the game. It's just stupid. I, it's a little little upsetting, but whatever. We're kind of. And you past know what? It. You know what? I like we're we're kind of complaining about it with Atlanta, but the reality is that. I guarantee you that's the sentiment across the entire MLS. Like I, I highly doubt there's any, any fan base or any club out there that, you know, believes or, or, or thinks that the refs are doing a good job. Cause you know, it's across the league. You end up yeah, seeing these mistakes and all that. It's just a matter of, you know, that's what we see. And so that's what we're going to focus on. But yeah, like this isn't a, an Atlanta United problem. Uh, we talk about it cause it's, it's bad Atlanta United, but this is an issue that the entire league faces every single week. And it's a headache and they they desperately need to address some of these things. I'm not saying I expect perfection from the refs, but there's just you know when you have access to replay, there's some of them that you just need to get right no matter what. Well, yeah, and it's like what's the point of having it if you're gonna be still be wrong afterwards? You know, like, exactly. what's the point of having four different guys look at it and then you get told to look at it and they're like, hey, we think this might be a penalty, and you're like, nah. It's like what are you? I I don't know. I don't get it. It's going to forever upset me until they have some sort of overruling, you know, rule that the VAR guys can do if they ever implement that, which they probably wouldn't. Anyways, we can move on because I could still talk about how upsetting (laughs) VAR is across the world. You know, it's just all leagues. Um, So next or I guess tomorrow, Atlanta plays Miami, who, you know, have been kind of hot and cold. So they now have Gonzalo Higuain and Frederico Higuain who requested a trade from DC so the brothers are linking up but you know the Higuain was kind of the piece that might be missing for them cuz like they're they're ne- not necessarily like beating Philadelphia 
but they played a pretty decent game against uh, NYCFC three games ago. And, you know, now that they have this prominent striker, he's really just, I, th I think it, it just gives them something going forward that you're like, okay, if he gets the ball, they're actually a threat. And right. rather than, you know, like they have Pizarro, who we both have been pretty high on, who we've been saying just kind of needs someone to pass the ball to. They have Blaze Matuidi on a TAM, which is just huge. Like, that's this is like a world class midfielder, maybe like on the down curve, but still very good and to MLS standards, still much better than your average TAM guy. Um, right. And it's you know, uh, it's we don't have Barco against them. That'll be big, but yeah, I I just think this game's gonna be another one where they're coming off these two wins. They're gonna look to obviously come back and beat us and keep their streak kind of going, getting that first slot for them in the playoffs. Because, I mean, they're below that slot, and if they beat us tomorrow, they would overtake us in points. Yeah, that's the that's the main reason that uh, for this matchup, I've got just written down, like, it's a must-win for Atlanta United. Mm -hmm. um, it, like, you, like, literally what you just said, if Miami wins this match, they'll jump Atlanta. Obviously, there's more things on the table to figure out before – you draw any complete conclusions, but you don't want to be dropping te uh, points to teams that are below you in the table. Um, the match is in Miami, so you know it's going to be. They they have some fans in the stadium now, I believe. So you know they have that working for them as well. Um, so Atlanta needs to come out and, and really you know take it to them. I think if they can at least draw a point from this, it'll be okay. But they really need to pull out three. If they if they can pick up three points here and kind of put some distance between them. And Miami, that would be huge just going down the line. But, yeah, uh, Miami just keeps slowly kind of, you know, they, they haven't been perfect by any means, but they're kind of like rounding into form. And, you know, the additions that they've made are going to be great for them if they do manage to make that, that final spot in the playoffs or something. And it's going to be a tough game for Atlanta. Like you said, they're still missing a lot without Barco out there. Even if, say, Moreno is ready to go for another 60 to 80 minutes, you know, 60 minutes in this previous game isn't enough to really form any sort of real connections. That's something that we likely won't see until the end of the season or maybe not even until next year. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're kind of just hoping for those moments of brilliance rather than like a complete game. Uh, if, if somehow that happens, though, like sweet, that would be awesome. I do think if, if Atlanta can kind of get that from him sooner rather than later, that's going to be the biggest difference between them missing out on the playoffs and them making it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's just a matter of I think. They, they just need to start finding some some routes to goals because Atlanta, after this this loss to uh, New York, they've been held scoreless in seven games now this season out of, uh, I believe they've played 17 matches. Yes, they have. And uh, that's just completely unacceptable. Like, when you're getting shut out in more than a, a third of your matches, like, there's you have very, very little chances of getting good results that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, on the flip side, Atlanta hasn't looked that bad in the last in, in the recent games. Um, they've picked up seven out of a possible fifteen points in their last five. The most recent one, obviously, was that loss. Um, so not the worst run of form, but definitely could be better. And a, a win over Miami would really kind of, I think, it could be that thing that could kind of flip the script for this end of the year. Um, wouldn't shock me to see them just kind of go on a little run if they're if they're able to pick up an away win like that keep propelling the team forward. Um, 
think overall I've been happy with what the defense has done lately. Uh, they they've kept three clean sheets now in the last six games, and they haven't been letting in many goals in the games that they have lost. Like you know, this most recent one was a one nil loss with a goal that arguably shouldn't shouldn't even have counted. Um, so I hope they're, that they're ready to put up with what Miami brings, especially in that midfield. Um, I think I don't, I, I would be shocked if they can keep Miami scoreless just because, you know, home game for them. They know the playoff spot is kind of in their grasp. I, I just have a feeling that Miami's going to be able to score at least once. So I, if Atlanta, you know, they got to find a way to two goals. If they get those two goals, I think Atlanta pulls out a win in Miami, but they need to find those goals. They do, and they'll have to do it without Barco once again. Um, I think he was confirmed to not play tomorrow, but was potentially available for the Toronto FC match. But like you said, this is a must-win game. Otherwise, things just get hairy, and you don't... It gets to the point where you're like, all right. (laughs) All right. So, like, you know, is something going to turn on? Is it going to click again? Maybe get you know, Jurgen Dom back into the flow of things. Cause like, you know, him being healthy and ready to play doesn't mean he's necessarily, even though he's fit to play, he may not be just clicking yet. And I'm excited to see him go off. If he gets another start, I wouldn't, I would love to see him score a goal. Love to see, you know, some of these crosses that we're putting in that are dangerous kind of start connecting. Cause you know, we're seeing Mulraney put in some good crosses last or last game seeing Jurgen Dom do some good dribbling just like a little out of touch with the passes in maybe it'll click this week especially with uh, Moreno getting a full week or I guess full four three four days of training with the team yeah. maybe get that extra you know little bit that he needed because um, like you said a moment of brilliance is really all you need especially if your defense is playing as good as ours has been but you never know. Iguain that's, can produce like some magic. The, that's the the sentence for this entire season. You, you never, never know. know. Like yeah. there have been some moments where the team looks great, and on the flip side, Miami has been kind of just as Jekyll and Hyde. They they've had some moments where they look like a very very capable team, a team that that could be even dangerous in the playoffs, and sometimes they look like. They just today started playing together, which to be fair to them, it is their first season. But yeah, I mean, they've let in 26 goals and scored 17. Atlanta's also scored 17, but they've only let in 20. Uh, so that just kind of shows you the difference in, in what the defenses have been able to do. So yeah, you know, it's going to be a hard game. I I just think, like I said, Atlanta, if they can get to those two goals, anything else, then I'm pretty confident they would win. But I, I think with two goals, they'll be able to pull out a win on Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. 100%. Whether it's, whether it's that pressure on the wings with Lennon, uh, Jurgen Dom, Franco, or, you know, on the left side, Bello and who, whoever ends up playing over there, whether it's Mulraney or Gallagher, whoever you need to have them, you know, really attacking, have that striker, you know, doing their job, holding up the, pl- holding up the ball, helping create those chances. But like we said, if Moreno can kind of have those moments of brilliance, that's what's going to be the real game changer. Because you'll go from maybe, you know, getting that one scrappy goal to all of a sudden that second and third one happen because he finds that perfect pass into the box. Or maybe he scores one from outside the box. Like, his his game just kind of brings so many different chances 
and so many more possibilities on mm-hmm. the pitch. And that's 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 what we've been wanting from Barco. But at this point, you know, he whatever the injury is, I'm just assuming he's not going to play again this season because it hasn't happened yet. So I'm kind of just going to stop counting on him for anything. I, but I think Moreno is capable of doing that, maybe even more. Like what he did in those 60 minutes without any training with the club, you know, it wasn't anything less than what Barco has shown us. So yeah, uh, whether that's uh, whether that's a slight towards Barco or it's a positive for Moreno, you know, people can interpret that however they want. To me, it just shows that whether Barco is on the pitch or not, like this team is capable of winning these games if a guy like Moreno, you know, delivers it for them. I think he could also benefit too with a guy like um, either Kubo, who potentially could be back for the last, some of these last few games I was reading, or um, even, you know, Adam John. His holdup play with a guy that's actually running towards him, doing some one-two stuff, that actually might be what we're missing, you know? Um, who knows, though? I, You never know. We don't know anything until it kind of happens. But he, I think Jurgen or not Jurgen Dom, I think a lot of people might benefit just from playing John in this game, starting him at least, giving him 60 minutes because it's just something different. And getting, not that uh, Gallagher's played poorly or anything, I just think it might be better to switch it up when you have someone that's able to create a little bit more from the midfield than previously, you know? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think two goals wins that game. And, you know, then we're on to the next game against Toronto, who is currently top of the East. And, you know, if, if we even make it into the playoffs, this is a team that, you're playing pretty early on if you make it past that second game. Right, yeah. And, and the game the game I believe is in Toronto, correct? Um let me check real quick. I th- think yes, it is. So that's going to be a quick turnaround, you know, heading down to Miami and then um, up there for another match and Toronto's been on, you know, they've been fantastic this season. So to me that's a match that I'm almost going to assume is going to be a loss for Atlanta but if they can pull out a draw or somehow something better fantastic um you know I don't know what kind of fitness levels we're talking about with the club right now whether they can whether there's you know they're ready to play 90 both matches whatever it is if if I'm glass I'm probably prioritizing the Miami game just because that one looks like a really possible three points mm-hmm. uh versus the Toronto one which even if you go out there, you know, with your strong 11, you could get destroyed still just with the way they're playing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what, what happens there. It'd be nice if Atlanta can somehow, you know, this whole season, they've really struggled with falling behind early. Yeah. You know, so many games, they are not just not just the, you know, not the first team to score, but they get scored on early. And so that really ups the pressure in the matches. And that's something that, you know, sometimes you just look at minutes played and you try to draw kind of a conclusion of how tired someone might be. But playing 90 minutes in like a 5-0 win is not the same thing as playing 90 minutes in like a 1-1 draw where it was a lot of back and forth and real high intensity. Um, so to me, if Atlanta can somehow pull out a big win against Miami and kind of take a comfortable lead early and kind of just relieve a little bit of that pressure – that would do a lot for the game on the weekend because guys would just be more fresh, whether they played or not, just mentally, physically, both. Um, 
But regardless, to me, that game is going to be really difficult, um, which kind of just gives even more importance to the Miami game. Like, you know that game in Toronto, realistically, your best case scenario is that draw. Um, so you got to get those three points on Wednesday. Oh, absolutely. It's it's pretty much, like we said, it, the must-win game. And then it's interesting because it sets up after Toronto. Um, we played D.C. at home, then Orlando in Orlando. Orlando. Then uh, Atlanta. Or then we play Cincinnati at home, and then Columbus to finish the season. So we played two of the worst teams Pretty much, actually, we play three of the worst teams in our next six matches, but then we also play three of the best teams. Yeah, so it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of bad. Uh, and like we said for this one, it really kind of puts a light on how important those matches against the, the lower clubs are. Because not just are they more winnable points, but, you know, D.C. is super down on the table. And then just just talking on the table here, D.C. And, and Cincinnati are way behind everyone else. But, like, Miami, Nashville, us – Chicago, Montreal, Red Bulls, and let's just go ahead and throw in New England. Mm-hmm. Like that's 17 to 25 points um, in the table. A lot can still change throughout there. So beating those teams that are close to you, like those points are so much more impactful than just knocking off, say, Toronto on Saturday. Because yeah. um, because if you lose to Miami and then beat Toronto, but you know Miami still beats you, you're going to need them to drop points still regardless. So take care of the business against the clubs that you're really competing against right now. And, you know, once the other, those other games get here, worry about those then. But, yeah, if I'm, if I'm glass, like I said, I'm coming out with everything on Wednesday to try to get those three points, get some separation in the table there, kind of start chopping away some of the clubs that you're competing against. Also, quick question. How did you think uh... – Jason Longshore did as an announcer. Personally, I liked him. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, it wasn't I, I, my 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 ultimate judgment for announcers is like, well, obviously the, the the most obvious one is like, can you interpret the game well? Like, are, do you have a good eye for what's going on? And that was clear. But I I had no doubts about that. And then the the next thing is just like, what are you talking? Like, I don't know how to put it exactly, but kind of like that voice, like does your voice keep me hooked? Are you talking about things that are interesting or are you kind of just mindless, mindlessly going on? But I thought he had great input on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think he missed a beat. I thought it was, I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he fit in like perfectly. I, if you didn't ever listen, you would have never known or have never listened to that before you, and just heard the voices. You'd be like, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's yeah, here exactly. Constantly. And, and for a guy that kind of just jumped in like that, that's, I think, to me, a, a big sign of just the capability of doing it. Because a lot of guys, you know, you see it across sports, too, when they first get into announcing. Sometimes you just have the – in football, for example, Tony Romo came in and killed it from day one. But that that's very rare. A lot of times, most of the times, you have guys who kind of have to ease in. And you can tell that they're leaning on the people that are around them to kind of carry them through it for a little bit. Um, but for a sport like soccer that there's – nonstop action so you don't really have those like you don't have commercial breaks to regroup uh you don't have a lot of dead time to kind of just you know talk about something else that kind of can get it off your interpretation of the game you know i think there's a lot of pressure in that in that booth and i thought he handled it perfectly i think so too obviously he does the radio stuff for atlanta united um on 92.9 the game with mike conti but regardless i think he fit into a new team just 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's the 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 TV thing is a different beast, just because like there are there's just a different element to calling that. But yeah, on top of that, uh, the people around you, you're used to developing kind of like that chemistry with them, and that's mm-hmm. a big part of how a, a commentary booth is, because like you can tell when they're just when it's super dry between two people, or when it's two guys, so you can like picture them almost you know being friends off at, you know outside of the booth, and it feels just like a normal conversation, like you're watching the game with them. And that's exactly how it felt with him. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it a lot. I thought it was great. Um, I think that's it for today. Obviously, we want that win. Let's get them beans and go Braves, right? Get the Braves yeah, on. Yeah, shout out, shout out the Braves. Hopefully, you know, Atlanta United can draw some inspiration from what they're doing. And uh, I think Atlanta United kind of got that that shine as like, the best team in Atlanta for a bit there. And now it lo- looks like a, the, the Braves are trying to yank it back. We'll see if, if Atlanta, if United kind of uses that as motivation to pull out some, some last minute good results here. Yeah. Get them beans boys. All right. If you want to uh, follow us on Twitter, we're at T cousins SP. Feel free to do so. Um, you can rate us on your podcast stuff. If you have any suggestions, you know, reach out to us on, I guess, Twitter, that would probably be the best place. And someone will see it. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.